1: is a wonderful day because I have Deidre Cheshin, and hopefully I said that correctly. And one of the reasons why I wanted to have Deidre on the show is she is an amazing podcast person and she has grown her podcast like astronomically, but she also helps other people with their podcasts. And if you've been listening to the author to authority podcast for a while you know that one of the ways to gain authority in your business is to either have your own podcast or be on other people's podcasts. So Deidre is a serial entrepreneur, having founded and led seven businesses across five industries in the last nine years. Though if you're watching this on video, she doesn't even look old enough to have done that and has navigated the entire spectrum of experience and emotions, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now that phrase, if Deidre, I always ask all of our authors at the end of the show, what was the good, the bad and the ugly of publishing your book? So I love that in your introduction that comes with starting, running and closing and exiting businesses with her hands-on experience in successfully growing her businesses to six and seven figures. She now helps experts who podcast, amplify their message and build their movements. She's also the host of grow my podcast show. Welcome Deidre. Thank you so much, Kim. I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you become an entrepreneur? And how did you come to help entrepreneurs with their own podcasts?
2: Yes. Oh, gosh. There's so many questions in (laughs) that. I'm like, where do I even begin? How did I become an entrepreneur? Okay. So as I mentioned, nine years ago, I started my first business. So by way of background, I am Aussie. I'm Australian, but I live over in the States now. I'm here in New York City. And... I grew up very much, I was kind of tiger mummed, you know, like, (laughs) I was like, I'm Asian. So it was very much like, you've got to study hard, you've got to get good grades. I played the piano, I was tutored from a really young age, you know, all of those things, because fair enough, you know, my parents were first migrants into Australia, and they did that to give us a better life, better opportunities. Um, And so I kind of, you know, was very conditioned to be to follow a particular path. Um, You know, I was either going to become a doctor, a lawyer or an accountant. That was kind of like, that was one of those paths. And um, I think I disappointed my dad because I didn't become a doctor. Um, I instead went into banking, which is like, I studied a law degree, went into banking. uh, And I was kind of, hating my life. Like I think a lot of people who go into corporate and it was, you know, my quarter life crisis that I was having, I was like, I need to figure this out. I need to do something else. And at the same time, my then um, boyfriend, partner, now husband, was also going through something similar. He was studying medicine um, and was just miserable. And from there, we decided to start our first business, uh, which is was in hospitality, actually. We started a dessert bar because um, my husband, Ash, had you know really stumbled upon this passion for baking and, and really experimenting um, with food. So we did that, um, grew that brand. It was called. It's called the Choc Pot, Grew that brand brand to five locations. We also opened a burger restaurant alongside that. Uh, we had two of those. Because you then, don't have enough work. Yeah, (laughs) I know, know. but it's like one of those things that happens, right? Like you just keep going. And what I found, um, and it was actually something that happened at the end of 2018 that kind of like snapped me out of that particular hamster wheel that we sort of almost created for ourselves. Um, What happened at the end of 2018 was we found out that one of our store managers had been stealing from us. And we're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars, like a lot of money. And it was kind of like that was that moment where I was like, oh my gosh, is this what we want to be doing? Like, do we want to continue doing this, this path that we're on? And I very quickly was like, I think I don't want to. And, you know, my husband and I had a really, really good, robust conversation um, around about this and we're so supportive of each other. And he was like, yeah, like he honestly... It was it was kind of stemming from him and his passion, but he had he was burning out as well, and that passion that he had was not you know it was no longer fun anymore for him. So um, we decided I was actually uh, exploring this other idea, this fashion technology idea, with uh, another friend, co-founder of mine, and it was in that moment where I was like, well, you know what stuff it why don't we just pick up and move overseas like why in the world not <laughs> yes yeah, so that was that was what was going through in my in in my mind in my naive mind um and so but you know like I I'm very much an action taker once I make a decision I'm just like yeah we're, we're all in so we did it we moved over here to New York City I was like yep yeah, we have this fashion technology idea where better to explore it than in New York City Um, right. And, um, my co-founder actually Bonner, um, actually moved over with us, uh, which was amazing. So we were like, this is gonna be so much fun. Um, and we decided to explore this idea. We started testing it with all of these different, um, people. We actually went to like NYU campus, Columbia campus, wall street, just talking to young professionals. Um, and (laughs) what we decided, what we found out in, after, three to four months was that it was not a big enough problem that we were solving for. It was not going to work. So we failed it. We failed that idea. And then we're like, oh, okay, well, we're over here in New York City, one of the most expensive cities to live in in the world uh, with no business no <laughs> real income. What are we going to do? And, you know, it's kind of one of those things where um, everything happens for a reason. And I actually um, ran into an old, older acquaintance of 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 mine, um, who was also Aussie, but he was now currently in in New York City, and he was actually helping a UK um, chocolate brand retail business expand in the states, okay. um, and specifically starting in New York. And he was like, "Oh, this is great time! Like, you know, I, I know what you've been doing. I kind of been following you, uh, following what you've been doing. Would you be interested in helping us expand online? I really want to start to sell this online, this brand online." And I was like, "Oh, well." We're not really doing anything else. And I don't really know if I'm qualified for this, but why not? So we, um, so we did and we figured it out and we actually really helped. We helped that brand in the first year. I mean, it already had a little bit of a name and it had a really great product behind it. But first year online, we helped it go from zero, literally zero to $2 million. And so I was like, okay, like this is awesome we had built a bit of an agency around helping e-commerce businesses grow online but an agency was not really a business that we wanted to invest in and scale and so um what kind of made the most sense at that time was like okay well why don't we transition into coaching instead um and that way we could actually help people you know almost at the grassroots level uh, really grow their e-commerce businesses, and that was when I started my first podcast. So that was, you know, back in uh, gosh, mid early mid to mid twenty twenty. I started my podcast, which was all about e-com, like digital marketing for e-commerce businesses, and um, it was like it was struggle straight. <laughs> gonna lie (laughs) I was like you know we have all these great ideas of like yes this podcast is good I'm gonna like get so many listeners and I'm gonna get so many people wanting to like work with me and of course none of that uh it was I was like I don't even know how to start a podcast I'm just gonna get this like 53 dollars microphone I found on Amazon and I'm just gonna like I don't really know how to edit it as well so whatever I say that's just gonna be what what gets published (laughs) So that was, you know, that was what we did. And then, um, but after a while, because I'm quite economically minded, I was like, oh gosh, I like, we have to make this work. How do I get an ROI on this time that we're spending on podcasting? And so I really started nerding out on what, you know, different people, especially coaches, because I was in that space were doing. Um, with really using that medium to create this like, know, like, and trust. And I came across this, Cause I was like, do I even really want to be podcasting anyway? Like it, it kind of felt like, like I really enjoyed it, but it felt like it could just be taking time from something else that I could be doing instead. Like, was it just a hobby for me? Um, well, And then I can
1: also a lot of work. And in the it beginning is. you don't get a lot of results from no. it. It's a long-term <laughs> it's, a with-
0: it's a slog.
2: It's a slog. Let's just be, let's just be open about that. Right. <laughs> um, But uh, I kind of, I was like, why am I even doing this? And then I came across, um, so I started reading this book called Oversubscribed by Daniel Priestley. And he talks about this seven hour rule. And that's when it sort of started coming together for me, where he was like, people need to spend seven hours with you in order to um, create that know, like, and trust so that they become raving fans. And then like, when you sell anything to them, it becomes a no brainer. Cause like, well, they already know you. And so I was like, oh, okay. This is what podcasting actually does. It, it's really a way for me to create this relationship with people so that they come to know, like, and trust me uh, because yes. you need this kind of long-form content for them to bank up seven hours with you. You know, social media is great, but that's a lot of 30-second <laughs> reels or clips that, you know. So I was like, okay, this is where the podcast actually has a role to play. So like, okay, how do I make this thing work? So I really nerded out on how do I get people like listeners, how do I just start to grow, you know, get one, get two, get 10, get 20, just like incremental steps. And then once people were in my world, how do I actually really delight them in such a way that yeah. they just can't help but take their wallets out and be like, here's my credit card. <laughs> in a good way, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and yes, there's so-
1: no subliminal messaging <laughs> behind this audio.
2: Of course not. Of course not. Um, and so when, when I started to figure that out, and and you know, and by no by no stretch of the imagination, am I a copywriter? In fact, I hated doing all of the copy and all of the promotion, all the mark like. All of that I hated doing it, which is really how Cap Show came about. Like, like all things, you know, you businesses come out of the things that you hate doing, and you just want to solve that. Um, because once I started to stumble upon sort of almost the formula of how, and I call it content dripping, of how I can really extrapolate my podcast content in a way that gets people to compels people to want to listen to my podcast episode, but then gets them sticking around and getting value from me. Once I kind of figured that out, I was like, oh, okay, I can now figure out a way to automate it because I don't want to be doing, I don't want to keep doing, I don't want to keep writing my blog posts and my promotional email copy and my social media captions and I don't want to be doing that anymore. So how can I actually figure out a way to have a software that does it for me? So that's what Capture does um, and that's what I do now. That's how I help podcasters market and grow their own podcast.
1: That is so amazing. There's there's so many gold nuggets in what you just shared. What I think I love most is that entrepreneurial spirit you have. You know, if something you. doesn't work. Okay, we're just going to try something else. And I think, you know, that's part of the entrepreneurial journey that we don't talk about a lot is the fact that most entrepreneurs aren't Well, they might be successful in their first business, but many times they're either not successful or they're successful and they hate it because it wasn't really their passion to begin with. It was just something they thought they could do to make money. So, Deidre, let me ask you a question because this was something you didn't cover. So you have all these franchises. Did you end up selling them?
2: Yeah. So what we did was um, okay. So we moved over 2019, and we still had um, we still had five of our locations, and we had two. Yeah, we had all of our locations going. Uh, so we spent when we made the decision end of 2018 to mo- make the move. We spent a good six months, like kind of really making sure that they were systemized. We had our team installed, all of that, um, and then obviously COVID hit, and we. Fortunately, actually, we had um, set our stores up to have virtual kitchens already um, for for delivery for Uber, uh, Uber Eats, etc. But at the same time, it wasn't really doing enough to um, cover the losses that we were making from having to close. So, fortunately three of our locations actually were actually like their rent was coming up um and so we actually decided not to renew our lease on those so we actually closed some down um the last stores that were remaining we actually only sold literally a month ago so I actually went back to Australia to Sydney yeah a month like a few weeks ago to actually make to have handle all that hand it all over make that transition etc but otherwise we were actually re- running them completely remotely for the last three and a half years which even as I say that now it kind of blows my mind a little bit it's like how in the world do we do that but we made that happen um and so yes yeah, so we sold our last remaining stores um yeah just recently
1: okay so the other question that's just I'm dying to ask you so what happened to that manager
2: oh my gosh yes um so <laughs> I actually don't know where, what he's doing right now. Like we kind of like just cut off all all communications. Um, we were able to recover some of our money, uh, which is fortunate uh, because it was a, it was a lot of money. Um, but he, you know, had it stashed away, and he was like, "I'm I'm just going to give I'm like I'm so sorry, I'm going to give all of this back to you." And then after that, it was like. We had gone to the police, um, but we didn't have cameras. So we didn't actually have like physical proof, proof. of him doing it. Um, so it wouldn't, it would have been just too lengthy. It was just going to be too much trouble, um, really. So, yeah, after that, we were like, cool, you give us um, what you have, basically. Um, and then that was, that's it. That's all we could do. Yeah, <laughs> we're done. Yeah. So we actually don't, we don't know where he is. We don't know what he's doing. Um, yeah, none of that.
1: Wow. I think one of the lessons in there is, you know, when you're running a business, you really do. And I think especially with franchises, it seems like you, you've you got to have a very hands-on approach, even when you have other people managing it. You have to know the numbers. You have to know what's going on.
2: It is. Yeah, it is a bit of a shame because, I mean, and definitely, you know, we were, were very naive about this um, because we when we, for that store, that particular store, we'd noticed that our sales were declining, but we would just assumed that at, It was because the centre was quiet, that, you know, people had just lost interest. And so we would actually like the somewhat good thing was it forced us to be really quite innovative because we were like, oh, my gosh, okay, we need to like do things differently. We need to find new ways to get people in. Um, And so we didn't think, you know, because you never think, That someone is still like that's just not where our minds went. No, no. yeah, you just do. You're
1: hoping that you can trust this person. You're not thinking that they're going to do you wrong. So when you actually look at it, that store was doing really good. It was.
2: It was. That's (laughs) the the insane thing. It was actually, and and that's why I say like it it was kind of not bad. Good thing that happened, like because obviously it's a thing that's like. I wish that that didn't happen, but in a way as well, like, as I said, it forced us to be resilient. It forced us to innovate. It forced us to like, just think differently, which, you know, like I think everything worth learning comes out of all these adversities that you face. Um, if, if that was cruisy, like we probably would have still been there doing that and growing the business and fortunate, like I would not trade any of that for the life that I get to live now and how we get to serve the people that we serve and you know all things that we get to do so everything happens for a reason and yeah I'm just I wish that it didn't happen on one hand but I'm also grateful that it did you know it's like one of those weird <laughs> of those weird things.
1: <laughs> so Deidre I want to transition here because we got about 12 to 15 minutes left here and I, I want to let you loose but today mm. we want to talk about the four steps to getting unlimited traffic to your podcast. Oh yes. So you know <laughs> if you're thinking about If you're running a podcast or you're thinking about hosting a podcast, you know, getting it set up. Yeah, it takes a bit to get it set up. But if you're going to do this, you might as well see results. And and it's sort Mm -hmm. of like when people write a book, they write a book, they order a box of books. It sits in their their garage. You know, they start this podcast. They get three to four episodes in. No one's listened to it. And they kind of go. Because, you know, all they thought was of getting this thing started getting this thing going they never actually thought through how are they going to grow this thing so i want to let you lose to teach on that because i think that's really important before you get into podcasting is understand how are you going to drive traffic to this so that you actually see results
2: Yes yes thank you yeah uh, like it is um and it's this is something that actually I figured out even through all of the different iterations of businesses and stuff that I was having because I was like how were we able to grow from like being this absolutely unknown thing to having you know multi-million dollar businesses um, and then can I actually, transplant that strategy or thinking to something like podcast. That was really what it came to when I, you know, mentioned in my story, how I was like nerding out on how to grow this podcast. Like that's actually the work that I did. Um, and so, yeah, when I looked back, I realized that there were four essentially tiers or steps. Um, I call them tiers because they form what I call the traffic pyramid. Uh, so let me just quickly go through those. So the bottom tier, the thing that we all do and I have thoughts about you know the effectiveness of this or how to do this, but it's what I call passive organic marketing, right? It's like all the things that we do passively. We passively publish a podcast episode. We passively post on social media saying, oh, this episode just dropped. And what I mean by passive is like we put all these things out into the world and then we s- sit back and we're like, Yeah, someone's gonna find it. Someone's just gonna like magically stumble across this stuff, and you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna become a hit. And I think we know that that doesn't really happen. It doesn't really happen anymore, right? Um, so what we then have to do is we go into the next tier, which is the active organic marketing, right? How do we actually make this stuff that we're creating active? And what I mean by that is. How do we, you know, when you look at all the different platforms, all the different channels, all the things that you're publishing, you're putting out there, there is always a way to make it active, a way to make it work for you. So if you're on social media, for example, the way to make it work for you is that you actually need to be engaging with people. So not just posting what I call posting and ghosting, like, you know, you just put something out there and you're like, yep, yeah, cool, I've done my I've done my post for the day, I'm off my app. Like if you want to actually use social media in the way that it was intended to, you have to be social on it. That's the only way that it works. Um, I know that people don't want to hear that. I definitely didn't, but that's, it's the truth, right? Um, It's the same with like with podcasting. When I think about how I actually got my first, you know, even like a dozen, two dozen listeners. It was literally because I was at an event, like for my first, I was at an e-commerce event um, and I just happened to talk about my podcast, not in a way of like, oh, really nice to meet you strange stranger not in that way right but in a way that like have a conversation with them and then I just happened to talk I was like oh my gosh I actually asked this question which is like what makes you excited about e-commerce like what got you into it and then they start talking I was like oh my gosh I actually had this amazing conversation with this particular guest and they mentioned that about this and then they were like oh wow like I wanted, and I was like oh, yeah, like please listen to, it's episode 36 of just go there. You know, it it just became really natural to talk about it, about a specific episode and not just like listen to my podcast. Um, So, you know, so that was a really, really great way to just act like, an active way to start to actually get that momentum um, for my podcast. So that's the second tier, is really, how do you make all of this organic content that you're creating active?
1: I, I liked what you said, because there is the organic, and I mean, I, I'm gonna, okay, posting and ghosting. I love that. Let's just, <laughs> that was just, that was just pure gold. <laughs> I have to remember that one. Uh, but I liked what you said, because it is about active. Right? You can't just post and ghost. You've got to engage people. You know, one of the things like I've been putting a lot of my focus in on LinkedIn, Mm. because I realized I can't, I can't grow on all of them and it was just too much. Yeah. And I decided LinkedIn was my place to be. But one of the things I've realized, especially with LinkedIn is that tagging people is part of the process.
2: Yes. If you don't
1: tag people, you don't get any, any views on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's expecting you to tag people, encourage people to take a look at your content. yeah. So even with the podcast like today that we're recording, it's actually in November. this won't be posted until January, well maybe even February I'm not sure somewhere in there. Um, but today was the 300th episode of the podcast went live this morning.
2: Woohoo! That is so and so exciting. I posted
1: about it but I tagged a bunch of people I tagged a bunch of my guests that had been on the show thanking them so you know yes. that's how I was engaging people and of course when you tag someone and then they engage other people see it as well so it is 100%. a very active form yes of organic because you yes. can't control who it goes out to in the sense of you know who else is going to see it you know I can engage people and you know, I have people on LinkedIn who I always comment on their stuff. They always comment on mine. Now, it's not a formal thing. Mm. They're just good friends, good clients, whatever we help yeah. each other out. So I think that's, you know, really important. in fact, is the active. yes, no posting and ghosting,
2: yes, it's so important. That's actually what really gets you the results. like thank you for, yeah, thank you for. Telling us your example because yeah, I cannot agree more. Like that, what you said that like engaging, being really smart about how you use a platform, like tagging. Um, you know how what are other ways because that actually starts to go hashtagging. Even, hashtagging yeah, even even as you were talking, you were mentioning that I was like that starts to actually go into the third tier of the pyramid, which I call leveraging other people's audiences. Like that's really yeah. what you're starting to do. Like, and there's a small like there are small simple ways that you can. Do that like what you said, like just tag people. And then there are like bigger, more, somewhat more complex ways that you can do that, like doing, you know, virtual summits and, you know, co-writing books. And like there are other ways, like bigger ways that you can start to leverage other people's audiences. But it all comes into, under that one umbrella, which is being smart about how you actually engage broadly with the people that have an audience of, you know, people that you want to tap into really, <laughs> Like, but you're all helping each other in that way.
1: Well, you know, one of the easiest ways, and it is relatively easy. It doesn't take a lot is to actually guest on other people's podcasts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, whether you're a podcast host or not, you want to gain authority. You want to leverage other people's audiences. You know, some of the simple ways, and we don't think about it. Guest on podcasts, Mm -hmm. right? It doesn't take a lot to create a presence enough. And you don't have to have a big presence to guest on other people's podcasts. You just have to have some things in place. One of the things that I didn't do with you, because obviously, you know, I had checked you out and you're very well experienced. But some people, I do a pre-interview with them before I let them on the show, because I want to ensure that they're going to be a very high quality guest. My audience knows that every guest is vetted. I don't just bring people on. I want, you know, experts and authorities that are really going to help my audience move their business forward. So I'll do a pre-interview, but you know, there's things that I'm looking for in terms of a guest. First of all, they have to have a well-defined story. I think if you're going to, you know, be a guest on a podcast, have your business story or have your personal story, whatever, you know, category you're in, have that story well hears. Cause I ask people, tell me your story. But I did a pre-interview with them. You know, if you're an expert and you want to share your expertise, then have training prepared. Mm -hmm. You came prepared to talk about those four steps. Now, yeah, we're putting conversation in in between the middle of it. But you have your four steps well laid out. You know, the points you want to make. You're giving, you know, the audience that practical. Have that kind of thing fixed ahead of time. Because I asked these pre-interview people, you know, what are you going to share? And if they can't give me sort of a well-defined training with practical steps, Mm. they don't get on the show.
2: Yeah, that's so good. So insightful. speaker sheet.
1: It might cost you maybe 50 to 100 bucks to get a speaker sheet done on Fiverr, right? And again, you have to have your story, you have to have, you know, the trainings, the different things you teach on. But you know, it does not take a lot to become a guest. And the same thing, even less is getting on doing LinkedIn Lives and and Facebook Lives, connect with your network, see if they would interview you.
2: Yeah, it's so good. And, like, the the thing too is apart from obviously definitely everything you said there I 100% agree with. But the thing is, like, you know, when you said it's not hard to be a guest, it's so true. Like there are so many people who need that. Like they're looking for guests. They're looking Mm -hmm. for you, dear listener. (laughs) Um, Because as Kim said, if you have everything – dialed in you have your story you have the thing the framework that you're going to teach people want to hear like they want to talk to you about that so yeah. go like get it <laughs> yeah, that's that's a simple the simple message here like go and do that that is the best way to leverage other people's audiences for sure
1: and there's lots of places where you can go and create a profile and apply to be on people's podcasts you and i met on Podmatch. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the best ones that I've experienced so far. There's also matchmaker.fm. These sites are great places where you can go, you can set up your profile, you can connect with podcast hosts, you know, let them know who you are. Podmatch is great because it matches you up with people. It'll send you like six matches every so many hours, whatever. <laughs> and say, I think this person would be a good fit for your show. So it's not hard to guest on other people's podcasts if Mm -hmm. if you so choose. And I've known many people. Now, some of them I don't know personally. I've heard their stories. Okay, I haven't met them. But some of the biggest people just made it a goal to do 100 or 200 podcast guests in a year. And that's how they got their books to new york times bestseller they did 200 podcast guesting i'm actually going to be one of my goals for 2023 is just to really get out there and do a whole ton at least 100 podcasts guests on 100 podcasts next year so awesome. that's that's my goal i think it's just so valuable so we've covered the three passive organic marketing active organic marketing and leveraging other people's audiences what's tier 4
2: yes tier 4 is paid ads um that's kind of the tip of the pyramid it's you know it is this pyramid is kind of sequential and yeah so paid there there are different ways that you can do it for podcasts i would not recommend like facebook ads the best and this is all an experiment by the way i'm i'm talking about this like as a generalization the best money if you want to test it is to to actually advertise on podcast apps Um, and on the smaller ones like the overcast and, you know, like not a beyond Spotify, for example, but you know, like that's really um, because you want to be where there are podcast listeners. You want to be where they are. Um, So that's the highest tier um, and probably one that is not for the faint hearted. So if, you know, for anyone who's just starting to grow their podcast show stick to the first three tiers that will get you immense amount of listeners already um, paid ads is really just for the people who are trying to break through um, through that point.
1: Well, and the other thing too is you can also pay to have ads on other people's podcasts. So not mm-hmm. even just the channels like Stitcher and all that. I don't even know if you can pay to be on Apple, but you know the smaller <laughs> ones. you yeah. But you can also a lot of um, podcasts sell ad space. That's mm-hmm. how they monetize their podcasts. They sell ad space. Yeah. So. And usually they don't do that until they have a pretty decent audience because they want to earn money. So they build the audience and then they sell these spots. So you can even, you know, you can even approach podcast hosts. You know, if you're listening to a podcast that's right for your target market and they do ads in there, then you can approach that person and and talk to them about it and say, you know, how much do you charge to advertise?
2: 100%.
1: So do you have a final thought for us today, Deidre?
2: Oh my gosh, I have a lot of thoughts, so I don't know if I can condense it into one. But I mean, like ultimately everything, and I hope that this was also apparent in my journey, but everything is about you just have to do it and and see. Like I could, you could listen to someone else talk about how to grow podcasts and they will talk about a particular strategy and some will have, and we're all right, right? Yes. Like everyone is right um, because we've all done it ourselves, but you just have to choose the one way that you're gonna do it, and I love what you said when you're like, "I'm just gonna focus on LinkedIn." Like, and I know that that was about a channel, and I'm talking about a strategy. But either way, whatever you, at whatever level you decide to want to implement, just choose one and just start doing it. Just and test it and keep going. And if you fail, like I have many times, pick yourself back up, dust it off, because it's only made you stronger and hopefully made you more confident in your ability to actually even know that you can fail however many times and still make it work. That's that's really the important thing about getting into entrepreneurship or really anything is like building that confidence in yourself to know that you're capable of doing anything.
1: Oh, I, You know what? I so agree. I so agree. You have to just pick yourself up and keep going. Mm. I want to give you a moment because you have an amazing piece of software called CapShow. So why don't you just quickly talk about it and then – um, tell the audience how they can connect with you.
2: Yeah, for sure. So Show is um, a software, as Kim mentioned, that helps podcasters. It's really the fastest way for podcasters to market and grow their, their podcast. And what I mean by that is, that there are different ways that you can obviously market and grow podcasts, but what you need to have in order to do that is the copy. It is the written things. It's the stuff that I mentioned before. I was like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to write an email to my list. about <laughs> Like I just don't, I hate writing. Um, and that's why we created Capture. So what it does is In under 10 minutes, when you upload an an audio file, um, it creates your episode title, your description, your show notes, your social media captions, your promotional email, your blog post, your LinkedIn article, your YouTube description, a full transcript. Um, It does all of that in under 10 minutes uh, for your podcast episode.
1: I played around with it this morning because you get to do one for free. Yes. And I was very impressed. I mean, I tried out a lot of AI stuff and obviously I'm a good, strong writer, but I was yes. pretty impressed with what, what it came out. I'm like, okay, I got to fix up a few little things here, but yes. you know, definitely a lot quicker than me writing it all out myself.
2: Well, exactly. And by the, and we would never profess that this is a replacement for a human. It is exactly what you said. Like, let's make the process quicker, but yeah, a human is still going to have to get in there and just edit like run their eye over it. Um, I actually get get a little bit cringe. Like I cringe a little bit when I see a user just like copy and paste straight from Capture and I'm like, oh, no, (laughs) don't do that. Like bring a little bit of your own flavour. Like, you know, the way that I use it, um, you know, I want to add my personality. So tone of voice, it's like I just make those edits to it. Um, But it cuts down something that, you know, for me used to take like two to four hours to like 30 minutes. You know, what better ROI on your time? is there than that like so you definitely
1: want to check it out because i went into the transcript and according to the transcript i'm tim thompson tinder
2: (laughs) i mean if you ever (laughs) needed to have an alter ego
1: (laughs) (laughs) well Deidre, we are out of time for today i want to thank you audience for just being there you know the today of the November 29th that we're recording this the 300th episode is being released and I am just so thankful for you the listeners and how you have supported this podcast and I just wanted to end with a huge thank you so this has been Diedrich Hachin and Kim Thompson Pinder on the author to authority podcast thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode bye
0: now you've been been listening listening to the the author to authority Authority Podcast. podcast the extraordinary word ninja Kim Thompson Pinder has helped over 200 entrepreneurs professionals speakers and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business and many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages we hope you've enjoyed the show make sure to like rate and review and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.